Today, on the Entrepreneurship at DU podcast. Going into it, we all were on the same page of like, we wanted to make something that was a high caliber student film, not just labeled under the, oh, it's a student film and you know, they're learning. For me, especially in a capstone class, like that shouldn't be what it's about at all. It should be like, this is a culmination of everything we've learned. Two alums of DU Film paved their own way into the entertainment industry, taking their senior project and bringing it to film festivals around the world. It was a simple story, but it had lots of different facets that people could connect to. You know, it had a core central theme, but there was lots of room for interpretation in a lot of stuff, which meant there was lots of room for people to really connect with different parts of the film. Today, we're chatting with David Painter and Davis Maurer, the filmmakers behind The Bird of Paradise, a coming-of-age story that is making waves in the student film circuit. I'm Kevin Douglas, and this is the Entrepreneurship at DU podcast. Welcome to the Entrepreneurship at DU podcast. Today, we have two members of the team that created the short film, Birds of Paradise. First off, we have David Painter, graduated in 2022 with a film and English double major. David was the writer-director of Birds of Paradise. We also have Davis Maurer, who's graduating this spring, 2023, with a film major and marketing minor. Davis was the lead editor on the film. Thank you guys for coming to the studio. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Kevin. So I want to hear a little bit about the project and the process of making this short film, because I know it was a project here at DU. It was your capstone project, David, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where did the inspiration come from? How did you decide this was going to be your the encapsulation of your film career at DU? So Bird of Paradise, we call it BOP for short. It's... It, it rolls off the tongue really well. Yeah. But for Bop, we, uh, I actually started writing it in a screenwriting class my sophomore year. Um, and at that point, we had already gone home for COVID, so it was all online. So uh, I remember in the class, our professor, Sheila Schroeder, uh, she also teaches the narrative capstone class, and she kind of advised a lot of us, like, hey, if you're – gonna write a short script in this class like this is a great opportunity to like start thinking about if you want to use the script for um you know the narrative capstone it's it's really easy it transfers really well and and all that so in the back of my head when I started it I was like this could be something that I could maybe make into a short film for the capstone class and I was I don't know I was kind of tossing it around I had a few other ideas in the class that I didn't totally love but honestly what sparked this idea was I had a dream, okay? This is, (laughs) I had a dream about uh, a girl standing in front of a door and right when the door opened, like the lights, the colors changed and the lights changed. And and then when she entered the room, it was like she was a different person and like the environment shifted. That was like the core seed of like where Bird of Paradise came from was this idea of a, a person kind of changing and as they change their appearance or their personality or whatever to cater to, they're around the environment changes with them and so I thought for film that's a pretty cool concept because we work in a visual medium and it's it could be a challenge but also it's a simple enough story to where it's not super ambitious in that regard but we could focus on the production production sides and make it really cool looking um and so that's kind of where it started from was like that idea and let me tell you uh, it changed a lot. I mean, from the end product to now, like, 
I know Davis read one of the first, like the early iterations of the script because I wrote it, obviously, what, when was that? 2020. And then I kind of didn't touch it for like two years. And then come December of 2021, when we were getting ready to get into that class, our professor emailed everyone in that class and was like, hey, if you have a script that you want to be submitted or selected, like submit it now. So I just basically like I went back through and kind of made sure like I didn't have typos or like anything like that. And I sent it. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there was characters that didn't exist. Uh, there was a lot of different stuff. Nature shows. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Originally I had, uh, I had it as she would see her dad would be watching a nature documentary. And every time she would come downstairs, the guy would be talking about a bird of paradise and like, and all that. So the grandpa character, for those who have seen it, didn't even, he wasn't even written in. He didn't even exist at all. So, um, that's kind of where it started from. And then obviously a lot of the writing process is uh, rewriting and a butterfly effect. And you change yeah. one sentence and then you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, the that entire script later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there is a lot of that for the first um, entire of, entirety of winter quarter was all rewrites and pre-production prep and changing it. Um, and so, yeah. That's that's kind of where it started from, and then obviously when the story changes, the message changes, and so at first it was kind of this idea of someone changing, and I didn't really know if I wanted it to be a redemptive thing. I kind of wanted it to just be like a spectacle of like, this is how people are sometimes. They they change how they act around different people, and that's just how it is, and then as we started writing it more, we found a lot more heart in it, and a lot more of like this kind of the the bird of paradise motif of like a unique bird and every different birds of paradise are different and that was kind of the central theme and that's sort of what we really wanted to 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 focus on. And Davis, how did you get involved with the project? Had you worked with David on other films before? Yeah, well, uh, I was <laughs> roped into it. I was in the same class. No, I um, <laughs> we we worked on stuff before. We started um we actually were, you know, two of the people who started the film production club here at DU and so we did a lot of stuff through that. Um, and that kind of led into us enjoying working together, thinking similarly creatively. Um, and so by the time we got to our capstone class, we were like, yeah, there's, we want to make sure we do the same film together. We had it locked in from the yeah. get go. Like, yeah, it's really rare to find an editor that you click with very well. And as a director, that is like a golden nugget in this industry to have someone who like can read your brain and like half the time be like Davis can we and he's like I'm already doing it you know which is like (laughs) super it's also great that he's one of my best friends so we can communicate really well um but yeah from from the beginning when we were starting to pick crews I had people in the class that I had worked with before and we all had talked Davis and I especially we were like we got to do this together because like we wanted to make it good and we knew if you can work with a team that like communicates well understands the vision from the rip it makes everything so much easier and so much better. Yeah, I, I, it's great that you guys found that connection. I, I totally hear what you're saying about the golden nugget. All the <laughs> yeah. horror stories I've heard from films I've worked on in the past or my friends have acted in, it's you no know, shade to editors, of course, but I've heard more than once, <laughs> why is this film not done? Oh, well, the editor disappeared and they have all the footage yeah. and we can't get it back because it's we 20 do that gigabytes of... You know, you guys all just have an island you go off to. Or something? Well, I mean, it's to, to stand up for editors here. It's it, you can be like it's the same thing where if you're working with the director and, you know, if you just don't understand what they're trying to say or what their vision is like, there's people whose 
brains can just kind of be on the same wavelength and you can pick up what they're putting down and and if you don't understand what their vision is then then when you're trying to put clips together and, and really assemble it it can feel like you don't know what the end goal is or you don't know where you're going and so that's why you editors including myself can kind of go off onto their islands sometimes it's very collaborative people need to be able to help each other not just be on yeah. their own and editors have so much power like they have they have they can dictate the entirety of like how the story is depicted <laughs> like and so it's important to make sure you communicate that with and like i said Dave, i was very lucky to have davis who who knew what i was going for from the beginning and uh helped me get there because otherwise the editor could just clip it together and then it's like oh my gosh this is not anything yeah. like i wanted but they they did they did the cut they yeah. cut it together but it's not there's just little things that not everybody has so yeah it's a synergy it's it's totally uh, you got to work together and clearly the result has been resonating with uh people that have seen it especially these these film festivals that the film has yeah, been accepted yeah, to and cool. i saw on your instagram it was at the indie short fest it was at mm -hmm. the um working what's that one called the working short oh uh short to the point short to the point um and yep. then there was one yeah there's another brno yeah brno big sir big sir california yeah okay. yeah and brno was in the czech republic yeah yeah you guys got yeah. to travel for that one no, no, we didn't. We didn't go out there. We, but we. It's it's interesting because like I know Davis and I have been kind of the main two people on the on the backside of this thing, like making sure we still have momentum and updating the people who follow us on the festivals and all that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about like if we wanted to travel because we do. We want to go to one and like see it there and like yeah, see the audience reaction and you have to reach a certain point to be screened in person. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have like one or two like Indie Shorts Fest really liked us. And I think there's a chance that one could be screened at their big event. Um, but oh, like cool. in the one in the Czech Republic, it was cool to be involved in. But if we traveled, I don't know if we would have even been able to see the film there. Yeah, like sometimes like your film will get selected to be a part of the festival, but like they won't screen it at the physical thing. Right. And so that, that's kind of a gamble of like, I don't know if I want to pay a huge international plane ticket to like not. Yeah. So th those are things we've had to talk about and like really figure out what, where we would want to go if we had the opportunity. And at least for me, I know Davis, you can, you can talk on it too, but like I would want to go to one where they really liked us like indie mm -hmm. shorts. If they selected us, we won some awards there too. So like they liked us. Um, and that would be a cool one to go to and like mm -hmm. see it and then, you know, have the, have the people behind the scenes who saw it talk to us and all that but you know in Czech in, in Czech Republic it's like yeah we got selected but like I don't know right flying out there for a day and not yeah even knowing yeah. that screening is definitely more thing. of a full trip than just for the one yeah festival. exactly yeah. and and we have a few more festivals that we're waiting to hear back from we have kind of lined up all the way until January where it's like spaced out when people notify you um, and so we have a few more that we kind of cross our fingers for that they select us and like us. That would be really fun to go to, and a few more awards we're winning too. On top of that, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a like roll constantly rolling deadlines with mm -hmm. all these. Like some of them we we applied to and we heard back within like a couple of weeks, and then some we applied to like way back in February, and we won't even hear back until like January of 2024. So it's like it's weird. We had to wait a while to even submit. Yeah, I know a lot of these. Um the festivals you submit them you submit yourself there's an application process and I'm, I'm really curious that 
um, as people who worked on the creative side, now you kind of have to think <laughs> from the other side, what's appealing to the judges of these festivals? What is the industry looking for? And uh, what do you feel like you've learned on, you know, maybe calling it the business side of this project? How have you taken the time to find the festivals? How are you marketing the show or the, the film? Well, Davis, it's, you want to, yeah, yeah. you want to start? Um, <laughs> it's, it's certainly a process, and that's, you know, part of the reason why I've enjoyed my marketing minor here at DU is because it gives a little insight into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do kind of have to market yourself, and the process was very centered around the entrepreneurship department here at DU because they gave us um, the micro-grant, um, I think it's called. I don't know the yeah. exact name. Yeah, no, it was the it was the entrepreneurship micro-grant, and... Um, our professor told us about it. Mm-hmm. The narrative. They use that for funding for making the film or for, for applying to festivals. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Because there's, you know, festivals keep in business where there's a $30 application fee to some things. Right. And um, so when you're applying to, when you want to try and spread it as much as possible, that adds up pretty quick. And by the way, that doesn't even guarantee you get in. That's literally just a submission fee mm-hmm. yeah. that like they tack on. And then sometimes in some festivals, it's like a total cash grab because it will be like the submission fee is 50 bucks. And then every category you want to be um, suggested for is another yeah. 30 or $40 per category. So like if you want to be cinematography, directing, editing, mm-hmm. anything like that, like that's, you know, that's a hundred something bucks just, and just to be considered. It gives such an advantage to the people who already have so many resources. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the exactly. smaller filmmakers are the ones that could benefit the most from the exposure of these that's festivals. Exactly, exactly right. And it's, and you also have to be aware because, you know, there's some festivals that you could get accepted to and it might not even, you know, it wouldn't be worth 30, 40 bucks. Um, yeah. Cause like, some of them are just, some of them are Not some people <laughs> in their in their garage trying to make a few bucks. Yeah. I yeah, I attended one in high school that we were so excited we flew out to Hollywood for it. It was called the International Student Film Festival, which sounded yeah. so fancy yeah. and legit and it was the jankiest. <laughs> the website doesn't exist anymore. I yeah, don't think. Like, yeah. like sometimes like it it'll it's through a production company, they'll funnel the money and mm-hmm. like it's a it's a opportunity for like passive income mm-hmm. that they always have guaranteed to make. So it's like that's something too. We have to use our discretion of like. Yeah. Usually, well, if someone we have we've had festivals reach out to us and be like, "Hey, mm-hmm. we saw your film. We think it'd be a great fit for our festival." And we go on their website and like do our research yeah. before we even pay them because sometimes it's like this is oh this is yeah. a, so a it weekly was, page, you know. <laughs> it was like. a little bit like applying to colleges in that way, where you had to like. We had some reaches. We had some that we were like, yeah. "We'll probably get into this one," and some that were like, you know, somewhere in the middle. Um, and we, we looked at it all through this website that congregates them all, um, and kind of just had to pick a set that was the best use of the grant and the best use of our time and money. Yeah. We, we, uh, we were the only people in our class that applied for the entrepreneurship grant, Mm -hmm. uh, which proved to be very awesome because we, we kind of knew like we could have used the money for anything, but like we kind of knew that. If you, you know, if you wanted to use it for production, that wouldn't go very far. Like, we already had the gear through the MFJS department, so we mm-hmm. couldn't do anything there. And so we were like, well, if we get the grant, like, maybe we just use it all for festivals because we knew that would add up. And that was, like, the wisest decision we ever made. Like, because we had all the cameras and everything, and we actually had to go fund me during production just to help, like, feed the crew. Like, yeah. we, we raised, like, what, like, I don't know. How it was much? like a grand, I think. Yeah, we raised like a grand, and all it was was like basically towards pizzas and like dinners and <laughs> yeah. stuff for everybody, which 
got eaten up so fast, no pun intended. <laughs> Film is so incredibly expensive. Yeah. I think you think about the production costs and the catering, but even after the film is done, I've never thought about that side mm. of it, but it yeah. does add up. It's still like, yeah, it, it never really ends <laughs> <laughs> paying for things. Yeah, but. I think it's really smart you guys crowdfunded. When we were starting the theater company I run here in Denver, we also launched with a crowdfunding campaign. Mm -hmm. And basically since then we have used that crowdfunding on the production that production has made us enough revenue basically to get back to where we started yeah from okay. tickets and then we just repeat put that money <laughs> yeah. towards the production yeah. those tickets towards the next production yeah so on and so forth so mm -hmm. film and theater i think are are pretty similar in that regard where totally. it's like you really have to take it in your own hands to to find the money yeah mm -hmm. and when you're in a public sphere like that it's like people watch it and that's how you make your money back and so you have to make sure it's also something people want to watch yeah because if it's not then you're kind of in the hole i want to talk about that also I, I was doing some research on this especially live action short films and it's changed a lot because of technologies we all have cameras yeah. in our pocket that can shoot as high quality as what mm. a feature film would have been yeah. 50 years ago or be better than that. Yeah. Um, and from 2000 to 2018, over those 19 years, there were uh, 90,000 short films premiered at film festivals across the world. Wow. So with that in mind, how do you make a film that stands out? How do you think Birds of Paradise stands out? And as you look at other projects, what is that sort of niche or what is that angle you think will, will help you get into these festivals? Yeah. I mean, we can kind of piggyback off each other because mm. this is something that has been a recurring topic <laughs> in the entirety of this film's journey of like mm -hmm. who's it for what's it for why basically and I think going into it I wanted to I, I told I told the crew <laughs> when we started I said uh, if this sucks I'm not showing it to anybody <laughs> 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 and I meant that I was like if this yeah. is something that like we're not proud of then like why would we show it like that I don't know that's my motto and so I knew we want we all were on the same page of like we wanted to make something that was high quality well produced and like that was a high caliber student film not just labeled under the oh it's a student film and you know they're learning like mm -hmm. that for me especially in a capstone class like that shouldn't be what it's about at all it should be like this is a culmination of everything we've learned like this should mm -hmm. be putting it to practice and doing our best at it challenging ourselves um and so we kind of through the rewrites we we simplified bop a lot um it's not the most like unique story in terms of story structure it's a coming of age story it's mm -hmm. it's about a girl who who doesn't know who she is and, and she's trying to find it in other people and then kind of at the end of it, she realizes that, like, the only place she felt herself was with her grandpa, watching birds. Mm. And so um, and so there was a lot of discussion in the writing process because um, what we would do is we would, we would come together as a team. We would brainstorm ideas. We'd kind of figure out what we wanted to add, what we wanted to take away, and then I would go away with it and, like, do it myself just for tonal purposes and, and making sure it all made, the, made sense. And then we'd submit it to our professor. She'd give us feedback. Um, there was a point, I think, even where our class gave us feedback on the yeah. script. Yeah. Um, and so we had a lot of different people giving us different inputs of, of what they thought the message was and, and all that. And I think what it boiled down to for me was, like, uh, this is a universal experience. Like, I think 
everyone in their life at some point or another. Maybe it's not exactly Emma's story in, in The Bird of Paradise, but it it's something along those lines of, like, you don't know who you are yet, especially in high school. And you're trying to figure that out, and and there's no right way to do it, but you 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 spend time with different people, and then you learn different lessons. I mean, that was kind of the, the rule of threes in Bird of Paradise was, like, she has three different, like, facets of people that she, like, acts different around, like, the, the party crowd and then the, like, really negative people in her life that, like, really made her question, like, why am I even with these people? And then her family who don't even know her. And so it's, like, um, be, because of that, the universal side of things, I think that was one thing we really wanted to harp on was, like, this is something that everybody can relate to. Yeah, and I think um, that was one of the biggest parts was it, it was a simple story, but it had lots of different facets that people could connect to. Lots of people connected with the grandpa character. Lots of people connected with, you know, feeling ostracized from a certain group of people. And there was different, um, it was, you know, it had a core central theme, but there was lots of room for interpretation in a lot of stuff, which meant there was lots of room for people to really connect with different parts of the film. Yeah, and and because of that, I think that that's part of the reason why Emma's a... A female in the story is because for me like I, I truly believe that uh, if you if you changed her gender to whatever you wanted it to be the message would remain the same mm-hmm. and so it's applicable to everybody so it wasn't about a story a story about the women experience or anything like that the a high school gl- girl experience although I guess some people could derive um, something from that but again it, it's very universal and so I think that's that's also challenging because mm-hmm. there it's not directed towards a a corner or a group of people that like we can guarantee will like it like (laughs) so that was also a gamble of like yeah we're making it universal but like we have to tell it well otherwise it's gonna not stick to anybody and that and that did um come into play when we're applying to festivals because a lot of times certain categories of film like you could have a horror film festival or something like that which means you're more likely to get accepted or just be a part of that whole process comedy it's not a mystery it's it's a drama yeah very basic drama I think what I mean. I remember seeing the film at the the Capstone presentations last spring. And, oh yeah, cool. Thanks uh, for coming. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I remember thinking it was so great. And I I was going to text you, and I totally didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, but I remember thinking, did you see the the film Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham? Yeah, that was one of our comps. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, comps isn't like that was one of our comparison. Like when you're pitching it, like that was one of our ones that were like it's Eighth Grade meets. Lady yeah, Bird. Yeah. I, yeah. For some reason, I was like, you comped Bo Burnham and take it to <laughs> I freaking wish. No. <laughs> That'd be amazing. No, but yeah, I mean, I, I love that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And like, you know, that character, Elsie Fisher's character in that film is female, but the, the awkwardness of middle school trying to fit in is something that's very universal. So exactly. I think you guys navigated that also very well. Thank you. Um, yeah. With Birds of Paradise. So yeah, congratulations on all the awards and everything so far. Thank, Thank you. you. We actually, this is, this is news on the podcast. We just found yeah. out on Saturday um, that Bop won a student Heartland Emmy. Oh, wow. That's awesome. A student yeah. production award. Yeah. Student production award. Congratulations. Yeah. So we, uh, we got submitted by uh, the MFJS program, they nominated us to be considered. And then, yeah, we were a nominee. And then on Saturday, they had a virtual s- ceremony. And, yeah, we found out National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. So I'll have to introduce you in my pre-recorded intro as Emmy Award winning David Penn <laughs> Painter well, and Davis Well, Mauer. actually, yeah. <laughs> I wish you could. The Academy was very adamant about the verbiage. Because uh, yeah. Of course they, they were. Because Emmy is not a student. Students aren't pure professionals. So yeah. we, they, but so it's a, it's, a, it's a student production award f- 
from the Heartland Emmy chapter of the National Academy yeah. of Television Arts and Sciences. It's a mouthful because I guess yeah. student Emmy would have been too easy to say. But <laughs> well, I think they just don't want us going around saying we want an actual Emmy. Yeah, that would you be totally way more should, difficult. Still <laughs> That's totally what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what are they going to track you down? Yeah. No, but it's uh, yeah, it's cool. We we get a we do get a it it does have the uh, Emmy globe on the trophy. It's not mm-hmm. the guy holding the thing, but yeah, it's a glass trophy. Yeah, it's cool. We're very, very thankful to the Academy. Yeah, yeah, we can actually say thanks to the Academy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you get the, the Heartland Oscars next. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. But anyway, that, that's a very new development that we, uh-huh. we just found out about, so that's we're, awesome. we're super pumped. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Thank you. You guys both want to work in the film industry, I assume, for a living. And mm-hmm. the the concept, I was talking to my boss this morning about the, the starving artist lifestyle, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, balancing having maybe a separate income and using that money towards your art or like we talked about earlier, finding the resources for your art. And uh, both my boss and I agree that starving artists, it shouldn't be a term anymore (laughs) because yeah, come on, like it's 2023 art. We all value. Yeah. And the world goes around because the engineers who make the world run, are able to take a break and go see a movie exactly. or a play. Exactly. You know, we're exactly. All, we're all watching Succession yeah. on Sundays. Right? We're, <laughs> all, we're all doing art or appreciating art in some way. So how do you guys, you know, how are you making a living right now? How do you hope to get into the industry? And what would you like to be doing full-time for a living in this industry? Well, I know David and I have talked about how once you – I haven't graduated yet, but I'm right on the precipice of it. And once you graduate, especially in the film, you kind of the film industry, you kind of do have to start over. Uh-huh. Um, like he was the director for our Capstone film, and now he's a PA on on commercials and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And and um, that's not necessarily a bad thing because there's more to learn. There's more to yeah. you know soak in. And I know already just having seen him, you know, come back to our apartment and and he's like, this is what the DIT on set did, and this is what the lighting crew did. Um, it, you're you're learning more and and trying to build your knowledge base to the point where you can, you know, get back to be a director again or be the lead editor on a project. Um, when I graduate, yeah. it'll probably end up being non-narrative product projects that I'll work on. It'll be you know editing someone's commercial, editing someone's quick little promotional video, mm-hmm. um, and just building that knowledge base to the point where I know all of the editing software like the back of my hand and have, you know, a a reel to show off and say I'm capable and ready to take that next step. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think Davis covered a lot of the ground, but like right now, yeah, I am a, I'm a freelance production assistant. Um, I also kind of like you were saying, so my thing was, I didn't really have the luxury of like moving to LA, having my parents pay, you know, and Mm -hmm. then figuring it out. Yeah. I had to like, I, right out of college, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm I'm paying my own for everything, and so obviously money was a thing I had to figure out. And you can't just yeah. like make a movie and make millions right out of college. Although, who knows, Bob could Bob could go crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I uh, I found a job through MFJS um, that teaches an after school film program up in Boulder on the weekends. Oh, cool! Uh, it's called Real Kids, and I love it. It's really fun. But, you know, that's like the consistent income that I'm mm-hmm. able to pay the bills with and things like that. So that in the meantime, during the weekdays, I can ideally be on a set somewhere. Um, I've been on all sorts of really cool commercials around Denver. Denver has a lot of yeah. stuff going on. I mean, I was on a Bush's Baked Beans commercial with Peyton Manning. 
Oh, very cool. Yeah, and and the dog Duke the Duke the Bean Dog, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So there's stuff like that. I, I was on a Kia commercial that aired during the World Cup. Uh, just so stuff like that. But you know, as a PA, like like Davis was saying, I I'm on these cool sets, but I'm like kind of the bottom of the totem pole in a way, which is not a bad thing. But everyone has to do it. You have to pay your dues, even in a corporate ladder, like. You start as a you know an assistant and you move move your move your way up to executive. So right. it's one of those things where it's it's kind of like I'm putting in the time right now to get the experience there and make the connections and the people that I really like hanging out with on sets. And it's a snowball effect. If you're if you're chill on a set, like people will hire you again. And so I'm I'm slowly starting to work with the same people and and because of that. Um, you know, I, I'm meeting new people that I could hire as a crew someday, or or uh, that I could have be a producer for me or a, or a director of photography and and make something on the side that's not related to film, but we're all kind of in the same boat there because we're all PAs together, so mm-hmm. we all kind of get that. So that's been uh, annoying in a way because it's kind of like I I wish I could go out of college and like ride the bird of paradise's momentum into the sun and yeah. <laughs> and you know never have to be a PA, but I mean that's just I think how it is, and because of that. It it also make it's kind of a test to see if you really like it, because it's like if you're in it, if you're in the film industry just to say that you're a filmmaker, but you don't actually make things on the side, it's it, you know, what's the point? Like, so we've me and Davis have been talking. We want to make other things. We want to make more shorts. We want to make sketches or just funny stuff just to just for us that we like yeah. to make that that made us like it in the first place and also help you just cultivate those skills and like maybe we'll make a, a video that does something we've never done before just so we know how to do it then in the future if you're working yeah. on something then you're like oh well i've you know this dumb video i made taught me how to do this and, and now i know <laughs> yeah. how to do it yeah i but i agree i think the struggling artist starving artist mentality it's like we all we all like the art for different reasons and we all connect to it for different reasons but i think when you're not in a school sphere where it's kind of like you're not just encouraged but kind of forced in a way to like be productive and create that was one of the, my biggest things mm-hmm. i graduated and all of a sudden i was like man i have no one telling me i need to write anything anymore yeah, yeah. like i yeah <laughs> i don't have any i don't have any reason not to a homework write. you're not going to get a homework grade no. there's nothing on the line except for me like yep. getting it done so that was something that like took a while to kind of curb and like understand that like you know you have to figure out why you really and like it's, it. It's the test of whether or not you really like it. Exactly. If you have no one telling you like, hey, you have to do this for a grade and, and you still are like, well, maybe I should just write something or maybe I should just find something to edit. You know? Yeah. That's one of the most powerful things I've taken away from from DU was um, I think about other programs. I'm thinking in terms of theater, but film, I think, is very similar. Yeah. The BFA versus the BA. Yeah. M- film at DU is a BA, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think about fine arts programs that are acting centric or just cinematography centric um, or just screenwriting centric or whatever niche you choose. Yeah. You learn that thing and you master that craft. But when it comes to getting out of college, if you want to build up your portfolio, your resume, your reel, you need to be having your own projects on the side. And if you only know how to do one thing, it's on you to exactly. find the people that will do stuff with you. Yeah. And if I hadn't gone to DU with the theater department, which is a BA as well, we mm-hmm. had to do the stagecraft, the building, the sets, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. the design elements. And now I thought I just wanted to be a writer, but now I'm also producing and marketing all of the shows our theater's putting on. 
And nice. I'm sure you guys are experiencing that too as, <laughs> yeah. you, as you brainstorm new projects and things yeah. you're working on. We talk about that exact thing all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, I think that's something that, like, I'm really thankful to. I know Davis is too. Like, the thing about DU and its film program especially is, like, the resources are there. I mean, we're at a private school. Like, they have the camera gear. They have the stuff. But it's up to you to take advantage of it Mm-hmm. not just in the cinematography class or not just in the intro to field production and editing or whatever. So that's why when we were freshmen, this is how we met was we, w- we just wanted to make stuff. And we were like, DU has filmmakers, they have that. And so th- we started Film Club. And because of that, we had three projects under our two, one that doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> lots of lots of half projects. and Yeah, sure. and, yeah. and lots of experiments of like this works. And then like, you know, it's 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 a set capacity, but it's not. There's nothing at stake other than mm-hmm. you. It's up to you to make it as a club if you want to yeah. make something. And so we learned a lot of things. We made a lot of mistakes that we probably could have made in the capstone way earlier on because we we took advantage of that kind of stuff. And we, you know, we had the different classes. We had film crit classes. We had screenwriting. So, and the and the only way you know not to make those mistakes in the future is by. We made them when we made yeah. a crappy yep. horror movie with the film club when we were <laughs> freshmen. And, and uh, you know, I yeah. still loved having done that to this day. But without those kind of foundational pieces, um, it doesn't build up to get to the point where you're confident in yourself and you know, like, oh, I've navigated this before. I can navigate it again. Um, and it's kind of, you know, also relevant to the post-grad world where you're also now you have a foundation, but you're still trying to grow your learning base to get to a point where you're, yeah. you're you know how to navigate it. I think it's a powerful message for people in creative fields and non-creative fields. The, uh, every single person, and I talk, it's an entrepreneurship podcast, so I've talked to business owners. And, yeah. Uh, it's always the mistakes that got them where they are now. And you, mm. you're absolutely right. I think I remember watching the capstones and your capstone really stood out. And it's clear that because you put in that work before your senior year project, you had the experience and you had the lessons that made that pay off. And now you're seeing it pay off with these film festivals. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we, we were, that was, yeah, that was something that we, we really wanted to make sure we were really conscious of in the production process. It was Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, let's, we know how to do this. This shouldn't be a a lesson right now. This shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a class. Like we, you will learn things in the capstone by default because it's just it's usually the biggest short film or anything anyone's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be learning what you learned in well, class on yeah. the set. It's, it's certainly not to say we didn't learn anything by yeah, doing the absolutely. capstone. Oh <laughs> my god! Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. always learning. Yeah. You're always like, making mistakes. If I and, yeah. said if I said I didn't learn anything as like a director on that set, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. But like like yeah, it's like the practical things that like we we were able to you know I mean. I didn't even, when I came to film school, like, I knew how to use a camera, kind of, but, like, it wasn't until I was DP on our really, really... I'll say d- it, I didn't know how to use a camera. Yeah, like, <laughs> we were, until we were, like, I was, like, the director of photography on this, like, really, really bad horror film that we made <laughs> as freshmen, that, like, I I finally was like, oh, right, that's what shutter speed's for, you know, yeah. or, like, stuff like that, and so it's, like, those are the kinds of things people always tell you, every YouTube video you watch, every class, it's like, oh, yeah, you really gotta, like, understand the camera, but it's not until you do something that you want and and you want it to be done that like you're kind of in a way forced to And I I talk it. about this all the time where professor Joe Brown here at DU he t- he taught me in cinematography 
But then we also, after that class, went on a trip to Nebraska to film these whole crane migrations. And I learned more about using a camera on that trip than I did throughout the whole class. Because when you're sitting there and it's dark and (laughs) you're like, I need to get this shot (laughs) now. I'm like, well, I guess I really have to know how aperture works right at this second. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, it will be black and you will not see any birds. So learning by doing is absolutely the way to go with film. And do you, like you're saying, is the same? I think it's very similar from the theater department. It's... Mm -hmm. Learn by doing. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's great because of that. Like, it's very holistic, and they give you they give you the the meat of what you need, and it's your job to like put it to practice. and And so, I'm really proud of us for taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very entrepreneurial approach. Yeah, as, yeah. if you will. Uh, but everything about DU, I've just found that is, is yeah, they put the power in the students' hands, and you just got to take the initiative to find it and I hear people complain that they don't have the support and it's like no the support's there the fact you're the only film students that applied for the entrepreneurship micro grant just goes to show yeah exactly you, there's money to be used and to be supporting mm-hmm. the students you just have to know where to look for it I'd love to ask are there any specific projects that you're working on right now um well so with with uh, bird of paradise like you were saying how we've kind of had to take on like the more business end of things now like that's something that we didn't really plan for to take up as much time as it does mm-hmm. so we're kind of right now um, a lot of our team has kind of dispersed post college which is you know that's totally understandable that's not everyone's going to stay in denver um, we have some people who went to la we have some people who are still here um, but everyone's doing their own thing so people are killing it yeah mainly davis and i have been the like kind of marketers so we run the instagram account and like make the, all the graphics and stuff and then uh, upkeeping with festivals and updating the the cast and the crew and the people who helped us making sure they are in the loop on what's yeah. happening so we do that a lot and and also, right after Bob, when you put that much creative energy into something, like for the first couple of months, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't even think about making anything else right now. Like I'm so <laughs> drained. Yeah. Um, which is not a bad thing per se, but it's just you. we put so much time. And mm-hmm. I mean, there was a point where me and Davis spent like six hours at his desk, like listening for audio pops, like just like, <laughs> like the really tedious, yeah, really tedious stuff. So anyway, after all that, there was a, there was kind of a, a liminal space where, um, we were both a little bit like, all right, let's just kind of see what happens. I worked on, um, I wrote like a, a TV pilot, like a personal one just to have as like a, nice. a materialistic mm-hmm. piece of writing to show people like, this is how I write kind of thing. I wrote that. I, I've submitted it to one, uh, competition and it didn't get in, which is totally <laughs> fine. Which one was it? Uh, S- was it the SWN? It was outstanding no. screenplays. It was like an Instagram account. Oh, I, follow. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. yeah, which honestly for me it was more the deadline, like mm-hmm. yeah, which is kind of a stupid way to do it. But I was like, I need a, a way to get this done. So I just got rejected for a pilot I wrote <laughs> for a different festival. But yeah, that's, that I mean, happens. and that's the thing too. Like, yeah, like, I mean, kind of sidebar here. Like the festivals we've gotten into, uh, there's a whole list of festivals for Bird of Paradise that we also got rejected right. from. So yeah. it's right. like, yeah. obviously, we're not going to advertise to everyone like, hey, guys, guess what? We got rejected from this one in New York. It's <laughs> How exciting. Posting so, on like, the Instagram. Like, yeah. Congratulations to this festival. I did. There was a second where I was like, it would be kind of funny to just show a list of all the rejections and be like, this <laughs> there'll, is there'll certainly be more into. to come, too. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, um, so I wrote that. And then um, right now, uh, I know we both have been kind of working like I, I've been PAing a lot. Davis mm-hmm. has his own personal clients he's been working mm-hmm. with on editing stuff, um, which you can talk about more. Yeah. But uh, in terms of narrative stuff, I really want to write a short. I have a list of just hundreds of ideas, but it's just it, I haven't had a chance to sit down and do it. But mm-hmm. I do think, especially once 
Davis graduates and we're both kind of in the same sphere. Like mm-hmm. we definitely want to make stuff. We filmed like a really stupid skit a couple of yeah. months ago just yeah. for fun. Uh, but I don't think we're going to be showing that to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's, I don't know if David gives himself enough credit because it's nice to be able to live with someone who does the same thing because he'll pop in and be like, check out this, you know, couple page script I wrote or just something like that. Cause you are, you are still writing things. Um, it might yeah. not be, you know, up to the standard you want, but that's cause you're not spending as much time on it. Um, to refine it. But I mean, Thanks, you know, Steve. because people people care about these sorts of things and, and want to still do it, it's still happening. Um, and so even outside of classes that I'm still taking right now, I am working with other clients. There's like a short film I'm editing that technically I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, but, you know, there's there's well, it makes it sound way more official it's than like it CIA is. Content. <laughs> yeah, NDA. If I if I tell you about NDA. it, I will have to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Military propaganda or something. Uh. But um, but yeah, no, it's 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 that same sort of topic we touched on, where when you care about it and that's something you're passionate about, it becomes you know something where you're like, well, my week doesn't feel fulfilled if I haven't touched on something like this, or if I haven't tried to at least make something creatively, like. I've even tried to write something and it hasn't been good, but it's like, you know, well, I got to try and do it. Well, and with stuff like the bird of paradise, we were so passionate and we all, everyone on the team loved it a lot. And like, we all found a personal connection to it. And so like I had no problem on a Saturday night spending yeah. five hours editing a, a, a scene from it because I just had all these ideas and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, and, and Davis would be right there in his room and we like, let's do it. And so like, it is weird when you have that like huge like just l- rocket launch of a of a film and then it's like you kind of you're watching it go off into space and you're like all of a sudden Bye. you click a button you're like well it's there done. it goes <laughs> yeah yeah so um it it has been kind of a weird adjustment to like figure out like but like I like we were saying like Davis was saying like yeah I still I write uh not cuz I want to but sometimes cuz I have to like it's just it's it's my way of processing things and sometimes you you put your baggage on a character and you let them carry it and, <laughs> yeah and uh that's that's how it works but it's uh cheaper than a therapist right yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah so we we definitely it's nice that we're together because we we pull that out of each other that mm-hmm. creative energy and and like i said some people on our crew are still here i mean our our uh, dp aaron He's doing a lot of work right now, and um, we love him, and, and mm-hmm. we would love to do something with him again. Um, but like I said, you know, I'm meeting people on commercial sets around Denver, and other people want to film stuff, and you know, we might we might want to try with uh, with someone else I've met or a new friend. But we definitely want to film new things. We have a short that we've been kind of workshopping for the mm-hmm. past couple of months that we we both like the idea, um, and we have like a very very rough outline okay. but rough is the keyword yeah you know i've got a short i'm writing right now we're filming this summer so we should oh, really? we should talk Dude, we let, should yeah, let me know let me know that yeah. would be super fun yeah i'll ad for you or something oh my god that'd be awesome <laughs> yeah. we still i think do the dp and uh director of photography if yeah. Yes. Yes. yes yeah yeah um who are the um who are the filmmakers in the movies that inspire you guys and maybe prompted you to even pursue this as a as a career i know um I love Edgar Wright. Um, yeah. I think he's a fantastic director, and I just admire how so much personality goes into every, like the thought goes into it to have, so every shot and every take has just so much personality and so much to say. And 
the Bird of Paradise couldn't be farther away from an Edgar Wright movie, but it's still it's still an <laughs> that inspiration movie for with me. Edgar Wright style would, would be, be crazy. crazy. <laughs> what's a, is what's your favorite? Mine's Baby Driver. Me too. There you go. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I maybe this sounds a little prestigious, but I have different directors that inspire me for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as someone who wants to direct someday, like I think, I think uh, for me. One of the times that I was like, I want to make something like that is I remember seeing Interstellar for the first time. And I was like, I don't know who the heck thought of that, but like that was the craziest movie I've ever seen. And like, so I think Nolan's nonlinear storytelling is inspirational to me. And I would love to write something like that someday. Mm-hmm. I think um, Scorsese's just like, just world building is crazy. And I think he's uh, just one of the goats. Um, I really love Sam Mendes, uh, American oh, Beauty, yeah. 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love Denis Villeneuve, Blade Runner 2049 oh, yeah. and Arrival. I think, Dune. yeah, Dune. Yeah. I have, I have a, a, a few opinions on Dune, but <laughs> everyone do. does. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, uh, no, I think he's really good at like taking a huge sci-fi spectacle and still making it like have characters and, and like yeah. have heart which I, I really love. I think Blade Runner 2049 is one of the most beautiful movies of the contemporary era. It's I just, agree. like, insane. Like, yeah. every time I watch it, it's like a breath of fresh air. But, yeah, I mean, I watch... Uh, we we really make an effort to watch all sorts of different kinds of movies all mm-hmm. the time. We have an ongoing list of, like, hundreds that we just write on paper, and it's, like, taped down our whole wall. And a watch list? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're able to cross them off, but... So we watch different stuff all the time, and I think that's kind of the way to do it is, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, like, find one that you've never heard of. Yeah, or? well, and you never know where, like, inspiration could come from. Like, I remember totally. we watched Old Boy, which was a Korean movie oh from, like, gosh. 2003. Have you seen that, Kevin? I haven't, but it's it been on my list crazy, forever. It was crazy, but, like, every once in a while <laughs> you're watching insane. something that you'd never watched before, and you're like, well, they did this specific aspect, like, really different, and that's, mm-hmm. like, something I, 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 I yeah. connect with, and I didn't even know, like... You are allowed to do, yeah, and it's exactly. and it. Um, so that's why we try and watch just so many different things, just to. It helps you know what kind of tools you have in your arsenal as a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess it's a long-winded answer, but yeah, we have a lot of different directors that we both like, and and stylistically, we mm-hmm. share that a lot of times, mm-hmm. most of the times. Most of the time, there's a few times where like we'll watch a movie and Davis will be like, "I absolutely hated that. <laughs> no, I no. love that." <laughs> and then we're like, "Well, how do we talk about it?" I mean, it's great you're living with a creative collaborator because you get yeah. to just, it's like, it's almost like, a f- it's a fun version of doing homework, you know? It's yeah. way more fun than <laughs> our, doing homework. Our STEM major roommate, I don't know if he feels the same, but oh. no, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm totally kidding. He's the best. He's awesome. We always wrap up with a few rapid fire questions. Okay. So, okay. first question is, how do you define success? David, you go first. Uh, I think it's kind of what we were talking about. Like for me, I feel like I'm successful right now because I'm doing what I set out to do and I'm doing what I love. And like that to me means more than like the money right now. It's like, I, I like writing cause I like it. And like my biggest goal when I graduated was I want a PA and I want to still be in the film and I'm doing both of those things. I would, um, a la bird of paradise, I would say success comes from within yourself and whatever ah. makes your heart feel full and whatever makes your mind feel active. And um, obviously you want to still be able to eat because that also helps your mind work. But yeah. <laughs> um, just whatever brings you the most smiles in life. 
It's a great answer. Smiles and life. It's better than mine. <laughs> that sounds really it's a deep. Better answer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, both great answers. Um, second question, and I'll make you answer it first this time, Davis. Uh, what is the best or worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> the I guess I suppose the best piece of advice I've gotten kind of tags along with a lot of the worst pieces of advices I've gotten. If that was grammatically correct, <laughs> um, it's that um, I had someone tell me that like your journey isn't going to be the same as anyone else's and that like there's almost no way, especially in this crazy industry for anyone to know your situation or know you. And so that tags along with a lot of the best piece or the worst pieces of advice I've gotten, which is, it just didn't feel like it applied to me. And then when someone told me that it kind of opens that up a little bit and makes you feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. I have a few, I think, um, I think for me, it's like, one thing my professor kind of said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but when I graduated, it was basically like right out of school, like find a reason to wake up every morning, yeah. especially as a starving artist, which we don't <laughs> like that term. But like, like there was a, there was a period of time where I was like, man, I don't know, like if I should even do film because there's, I'm like kind of hitting a wall with like how to get there or whatever. So for a while, my uh, my thing was like I would wake up and I would just like try and like be like, man, what like how do I write this pilot and stuff like that. So I think that for me was something and and like kind of what we were talking about earlier, like you have to know you like it or not like it. You have to know you love it, not just as a job um, that you would that you would be willing to. I would be willing to write outside of uh, being paid to do it. I think um, both of us gave longer than two sentence answers. Yeah, I hope that's sorry. Okay. You know, that's what, uh, we'll let it slide this time. And then we'll I never guess. invite you back. <laughs> Worst advice? I don't know. I I haven't had a lot of bad advice. I think, I think in my opinion, the worst advice is when people like the flip side of Davis. When people think that your experience will be the same as theirs, yeah. and then they tell you what to do. Like, mm-hmm. like everyone always says, networking in the industry is like crazy or whatever but for me it's like it only works if you connect with the people and like you're actually friends like networking doesn't matter if the people know you just want to use them i want to thank both of you guys for coming to the studio it's been really cool following the the success of bop and (laughs) uh best of luck as you uh continue with other projects and continue with the film festival thank you so much thank you kevin we're happy to be here i want to give one last final shout out to sheila schroeder yeah most wonderful professor on the planet we would not be here without her yeah and thank you to the entrepreneurship program yes for your micro grant uh our success would not be uh here without you guys yes we love you we interviewed sheila schroeder in an earlier episode yeah you did i remember her talking about it she is amazing she's our been our number one supporter and our biggest fan since day one so we love her all right thanks for coming in guys thanks kevin The Entrepreneurship at DU podcast was recorded in Marjorie Reed Hall on the University of Denver campus. You can find us on Instagram at DU Entrepreneur, on Twitter at DU underscore Entrepreneur, and on Facebook at Entrepreneurship at DU. Entrepreneurship at DU is part of the Daniels College of Business, which has its own podcast, by the way. Check out Voices of Experience, available wherever you get your podcasts.